Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, February 15th, 2022, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-host for the evening, Anastasia. Lavendar is on assignment tonight, but she'll be back for the next show. We do have two Starseed quests coming this spring. The Athena Earth to Sky Equinox will be March 18th through the 21st, and the lead-up to Pleiadian lineup will be May 6th through 9th. These are soul family reunions, and you must have at least one galactic star marking on your chart to be eligible. You can write to crystals at starseedhotline.com for more info or to see if you have that marking. Our special guest this evening is renowned animal spirit guy, Dr. Stephen Farmer, who explains how profound encounters with spirit animals affirms our intimacy with the animal world and the realm of spirit. His wisdom will heighten your understanding of spirit animal symbolism, the five major ways that spirit animals can speak to you, and how to discern their messages for you. Dr. Farmer and sacred storytellers share personal tales of spirit animals appearing to them in real life, in dreams, or symbolically to share their mystical yet practical medicine. Experience how these spiritual allies can guard, aid, heal, and guide you in the most unexpected and delightful ways. The new book, Animals, Personal Tales of Encounters with Spirit Animals, is the first book in the series Common Sentience, which is an uncommon book series that shares spiritual wisdom and true stories of the mystical experiences we are having in our everyday lives. Dr. Stephen Farmer is a licensed psychotherapist, soul healer, author of several best-selling books and oracle cards, including Animal Spirit Guides, Earth Magic, Earth Magic Oracle Cards, Children's Spirit Animal Cards, and his recently released book, Animals, Personal Tales of Encounters with Spirit Animals. Dr. Farmer offers individual consultations, drawing from his wealth of training and experience as a psychotherapist, a shamanic healer, and trauma recovery specialist. He serves on the board of the Society of Shamanic Practice. And you can check out his website, which is drstephenfarmer.com. And doctor is just D-R. So D-R, Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, farmer.com. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to starseeds not heard in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Kathy tonight for hosting the switchboard um, for anyone who may have a question or comment. Our online Starseed community is at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds under Tammy's watchful eye. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please, all you have to do is click follow on our page here and at Blog Talk, and you'll get our biweekly show notices if you enable those. Our main website is starseedhotline.com. 
the stage one starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart. And the stage two session is a one-on-one Zoom session available with Anastasia, Emerald, Miara, Riley, or myself. Lavendar has now retired from doing sessions so she can focus on finishing her books. Remember, if you have a birthday coming up, you're going to get a window of 10 hours of power. You can find out exactly when that happens because it's different every year by requesting your solar return timing. And that takes usually less than a week to get those charts. So first up tonight, I would like to introduce Anastasia with her very wonderful Starseed News. Oh, good evening, Ariel. Hello, everybody. Hello. Great to be with you again. Spring is on the way. I don't know how it is in your area, but the robins have returned here, and the daffodils are up, so I'm excited. It's The birds were so busy today uh, making their beautiful bird song. Uh, oh, it's just great. Oh, I, know. I saw daffodils, we'll but I haven't seen a robin yet. Oh, you should anytime, anytime. It's wonderful. Yeah. It just lifts me up. I love robins. <laughs> me too. Well, we've got some... We've got some fairly good stories tonight. I had to dig a lot a lot this last couple of weeks, but I, I managed to uncover some stuff, so I'm happy to share it with you. I want to start out with a story that you probably have heard, and uh, I'm going to go ahead. It's, it's in my feed. I added it a few days ago when the news was really current, but I'm going to share it with you now because I often cover this company, and it's about SpaceX. SpaceX satellites are falling out of orbit, orbit after a solar storm, which I thought was interesting that a solar storm would cause that. Let me share it with you. They tell us that SpaceX's newest fleet of satellites is tumbling out of orbit, or did, a few days ago after being struck by a solar storm. Up to 40 of the 49 small satellites launched have either re-entered the atmosphere and burned up or are on the verge of doing so. Now, SpaceX said this. They said a geomagnetic storm made the atmosphere denser which increased the drag on the Starlink satellites, effectively determining their destruction. Now, ground controllers tried to save the compact flat panel satellites by putting them into a type of hibernation and flying them in a way to minimize drag. But the atmosphere pull was just too great, and the satellites failed to awaken and climb to a higher, more stable orbit, according to the company. Well, now, SpaceX still has close to 2,000 Starlink satellites orbiting Earth and providing Internet service to remote corners of the world. They circle the globe more than 340 miles up. The satellites hit by the solar storm were in a temporary position. SpaceX deliberately launches them into this unusually low orbit so that any duds can quickly re-enter the atmosphere and pose no threat to other spacecraft. They tell us there was no danger from the falling satellites, either in orbit or on the ground. I can't imagine how that would be the case, but that's what they say. (laughs) And each satellite weighs, get the way they worded this, less than 575 pounds. Well, I can't imagine 575 pounds falling out of the sky. Um, mm, That's a lot to me. They say it's less than, but I think that's a lot coming right down from the heavens on top of somebody's house. Anyway, let me go on. SpaceX described the lost satellites as a, quote, unique situation, end quote. Now, such geomagnetic storms are caused by, as you know, intense solar activity, such as flares, 
that can send streams of plasma from the sun's corona hurtling out into space and, of course, toward us, Earth. Well, since launching the first Starlink satellites in 2019, Mr. Musk envisions a constellation of thousands more satellites to increase Internet service. Well, SpaceX is trying to help restore Internet service to Tonga. Uh, You know, Tonga had that terrible situation, and uh, they're trying to get it going after the devastating volcanic eruption and the tsunami that followed. Well, London-based OneWeb has its own Internet satellites up up in space, and Amazon also plans to start launching its satellites later this year. Holy cow. Well, naturally, of course, astronomers are distressed that these mega constellations are going to ruin nighttime observations of the stars from Earth. The International Astronomical Union is forming a new center for the protection of dark skies. Yes, let's do that. So there it is. Put some up, a bunch come down. <laughs> Applause from the earth, anyone? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but you know, that we're gonna miss we're gonna miss our view of the stars if we get all of these tens of thousands of satellites in the air. There I'm editorializing. Let me go on. Here is a surprising story. This tickles me. Millionaires are calling on governments worldwide to tax us now. A group of 102 wealthy people say that tax would help tackle the gulf between the rich and the poor. No kidding. More than 100 (laughs) members of the global super-rich called on Wednesday for governments around the world to tax us now to help pay for the pandemic response and tackle the gulf between the rich and the poor. The group of 102 millionaires and billionaires, including Disney heiress Abigail Disney, said the current tax system is rigged in their favor and needs to be rewritten to make taxation fairer for hardworking people and restore trust in politics. As millionaires, we know that the current tax system is not fair, they said in an open letter. Most of us can say that while the world has gone through an immense amount of suffering in the last few years, we have actually seen our wealth rise during the pandemic Yet few, if any of us, can honestly say that we pay our fair share in taxes. The super-rich signatories, who brand themselves as patriotic millionaires, called for the introduction of, quote, permanent wealth taxes on the richest to help reduce extreme inequality and raise revenue for sustained long-term increases in public services like health care. Restoring trust requires taxing the rich, they said in a letter published as world leaders and business executives meet for a virtual Davos World Economic Forum. The world, every country in it, must demand the rich pay their fair tax. Tax us, the rich, and tax us now. The group, which also includes Nick Hanauer, who's a venture capitalist who made almost $1 billion from an early bet on Amazon, said an annual wealth tax on those with fortunes for more than $5 million could raise more than $2.5 trillion. That would be enough, they said, to lift 2.3 billion people out of poverty, make enough vaccines for the world, and deliver universal health care and social protection for all the citizens of low and lower, in, lower middle income countries, amounting to a total of 3.6 billion people. I, 
it, I, you have a button for the applause machine, Ariel? Yeah, yeah. Okay, we've got that right there. It's about time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Imagine using a, an overabundance, uh, an obscene amount of wealth to help people around the world as it should be done. This is the future that should happen. That's, that's my favorite news story of all time, I think. Mine too, uh, yeah. <laughs> isn't that great news? I Bless their souls. Well, an Indonesian crocodile was finally freed from a tire after six long years. This is quite the story. I wish I could share the photo with you. An elusive Indonesian crocodile, which has swum around the world, around the world, excuse me, around his pond with a uh, motorcycle tire stuck around its neck for six years, has finally been freed by an animal lover on the island of Sulawesi. This was a 13. This is a 13-foot crocodile, had, and he's generated sympathy among some residents in the city where he lives, who were afraid that the tire might eventually choke the, the crocodile as it grew in size. Uh, right around his neck, the picture's boy, sad. Uh. Well, anyway, it was very difficult to capture. Nobody could catch it. They were trying to help it. And at one point, an Australian crocodile wrangler attempted to free the reptile, but even he couldn't do it. He said, I caught, now, the man who finally did it said, I caught the crocodile by myself. He said, I was asking for help from people here, but they were scared. And so nobody would help him. So this boy, who's well, he's not a boy, he's a young man, uh, set up a basic trap with a rope tied to a log, and he used live chickens and ducks as bait. Sorry for the chickens and ducks, but. Well, after he tracked this reptile for three weeks, the wily crocodile managed to escape his trap on two, two occasions before he finally got caught. Well, the boy said, many people were skeptical about me and thought I wasn't serious about catching the crocodile. But as he posed for pictures uh, with the <laughs> crocodile tied with the rope and the tire removed, shining hugely because he had actually done it. Now, uh, he actually got the tire off the, cro- off the crocodile. Now, they had offered an, a, a reward for anybody that could remove the tire. But the man didn't do it because he wanted money. He said, I just can't stand to see animals hurt, even snakes. I'll help them, he said. Now, this crocodile, which local people had referred to as the crocodile with the tire necklace, was released back into the river yesterday morning. Now, wow. this guy, nobody could catch this crocodile and nobody could help it. Everybody was afraid of it. Somebody stepped up who loved to help animals. And he set a trap and he kept trying. Crocodile kept getting away, and he actually got the tire. Uh, can you? That would be quite a brave thing to do. It was really tight around his neck. You could see that the uh, that the tire was just about ready to ch- choke this poor crocodile. Uh. The guy did it. Well, here's some good news out of Belgium. If you're uh, working stiff, Belgium has approved a four-day work week and gives employees the right to ignore their bosses after work. A significant (laughs) portion of Belgium's new labor reform package uh, is improving the work-life balance of employees in both public and private sectors. Under this Belgian system, employees would be able to condense the current five-day week into four days. In practice, this means maintaining a 38-hour working schedule with an additional day off compensating for those longer work days. So workers are going to be able to request variable work schedules They will have a minimum notice period for shifts that are changing, with companies now requiring to provide schedules at least one week in advance. 
the reform package will also give workers the right to turn off work devices and ignore work-related messages after hours without being afraid of their bosses getting back at them. And workers that work in the gig economy, they'll also receive stronger legal protections under the new law, while full-time employees will be able to work flexible schedules on demand. National laws for workers. Wow. Yep, they don't have to pay attention. When they leave at the office, they don't have to answer a call from their bosses. Well, on the science front, on the medicine front, scientists have po- uh, possibly cured HIV in a woman for the very first time. Now, an American research team has reported that it has possibly cured HIV in a woman for the first time um, because they, now, they have cured HIV in men. Um, uh, before, but these scientists are now using a cutting-edge stem cell transplant method um, that they expect will expand the pool of people who could receive similar treatment to several dozens annually using stem cell transplants to cure HIV. Now, this is a pretty rarefied club. Um, there have only been three men who have been cured of HIV and two women whose own immune systems, quite extraordinarily, Uh, apparently vanquished the virus. So two women have been cured on their own without any help from anybody. Three men have been cured with medical intervention, stem cells, transplants, and now one woman. And they say that they're uh, going to develop this to where maybe they can cure dozens every year. Great. Well, here's a cute story. Yeah, that's wonderful news. Here's a cute story um, about some students in New Hampshire. Um, They launched a boat last year. Uh, it was a little tiny boat, not not like a toy boat, probably about the size of a kitchen table. And and it uh, contained photographs, fall leaves, acorns, and New Hampshire state quarters. And uh, it was launched by a New Hampshire middle school. And um, they it was a project. And it's taken 462 days, but it was found by a sixth grader in Norway. It was a six-foot-long boat. They titled it. They titled it Raw Rip. Excuse me, Rye Riptides. That's hard to say. Rye Riptides. They decorated decorated it with their artwork. They put a tracking device on it, and they they mapped it as it was traveling across the ocean. And it did go silent for parts of the journey. They thought that it was gone. It lost at sea. It was found uh, in February on a small island in Norway. Um, now, in the meantime, it had lost its hull. It was an 8,300-mile journey, by the way, on the ocean. It was covered with gooseneck barnacles, but the deck and the cargo hold were still intact. The student that found it took the boat to his school, and the classmates eagerly opened it, and that's what they found when they found the photographs, the leaves, the acorns, and the quarters. Now, this was, <clears throat> this was sent out by a junior high, uh, uh, junior high here in New Hampshire, now, when they, uh, they actually lost the boat, it was online and offline. The kids gave up on it. The GPS has finally gone quiet. It was caught in a hurricane. Um, it, it was spotted at various places along the ocean. Uh, and eventually the GPS quit, and the kids had no idea what happened to it. And that's 465, 462 days ago. So it was given up as lost. And then they got a call from um, the kids in Norway that told them they'd found their boat. And the kids, the kids in New Hampshire were so excited. It finally made it, they said. Uh, they all thought it was lost at sea. So that's a cute story. And um, just 
I was delighted with it because the kids were so happy their boat was finally found. Uh-huh. It was a big project for uh, middle school students to do something like that. The picture of the boat was adorable. It had all their artwork, and it was really cute. Well, a lot of times people who are on low incomes can't afford to eat at restaurants. In fact, they really don't eat much at all, or if anything. So there is a restaurant in England called Eggs and Bread, and it's a cafe like none other. It's based in East London, and it boasts the smallest menu. It only has boiled eggs, toast, jam, porridge, tea, and coffee. And it's self-service, no waitresses. And at the end of your meal, pay what you want. Pay exactly what you feel like paying. Now, an estimated 28% of people in London live in poverty. And this cafe aims to balance out the inequality seen so often in metropolitan areas. If you want to pay, the donation box is discreetly placed next to where you put your dirty plates. So no one's going to see how much you put in or you don't. If you can afford to put something in the box, you can also pay for the breakfast of others who might not be able to pay. And as the people at Eggs and Bread say, everyone deserves a good start to their day. Isn't that something? Yeah. That's awesome. And in India... A man called Puneet is working hard to eliminate styrofoam pollution. During his travels through India, Puneet saw something floating on a river. He saw a lot of something floating on a river. He saw huge amounts of polystyrene, which happens to be styrofoam. He said it made him terribly, terribly disheartened. And when he got to his destination, he saw a long line of people who had queued up to be served food. He said that while most of them were handed a styrofoam plate, one man did not get a plate, and he merely used one of his side dishes as a plate, which was a deep-fried bread. I watched as he asked the person serving to add one scoop of chickpeas to the bread. He said that was an innovative way of using the bread. In the meantime, Puneet was still thinking about all the styrofoam he saw on the river. He'd been thinking about it on his whole journey. Then he noticed these people lined up to get their food. He saw more styrofoam, and then he saw somebody get the food served not in styrofoam, but in uh, a piece of bread. It inspired him. He started to think about making edible cutlery, and he spent six years on research. He started a company called Adaware Biodegradable Private Limited. He's making biodegradable edible food uh, containers. The first of its innovative solutions was an edible teacup. He says, along with our cup of chai here in India, we are habituated to eating something, whether biscuits or something else. The edible cup, therefore, helps to satisfy our need to eat when we drink. So he experimented with multiple materials. He developed then an edible cup with a mixture of ingredients like wheat Bajara, Jower, corn, and many more grains, along with jaggery. Now, most of us who are uh, acclimated to Indian food don't know what this stuff is, but we'll just say it's made of grain. He said it acts as a great replacement to unhealthy snacks and is also packed with good amounts of calcium, proteins, and minerals. They also come in nine flavors, ginger, caramel, fennel seeds, cardamom, orange, strawberry, vanilla, and coffee. And not only does he make cups, but he makes spoons and other edible cutlery. That's an amazing idea. Wouldn't it be great if that took hold all over the world? 
that that's so brilliant. <clears throat> well, here's another one. This is one of my pet stories. It's a pioneering university project, and they're helping homeless people get college degrees. Six people experiencing homelessness homelessness will attend university this week as part of a pioneering course to open up higher education to people who have faced life without a home. The University of Chichester in England launched the Adversity to University program to open the door to people who have faced homelessness. A professor developed a 12-week pilot course, which has so far enabled 27 people to study at this program. And so far, the alumni have gone on to study degrees in teaching, adventure education, fine art, sociology, and games design. Why not? Look at the things we're capable of doing. We'd have to charge somebody $100,000 for college education that almost nobody can afford. Let us turn our higher education to educating everybody, and certainly including the homeless who need it the most. Don't you think that's a wonderful story? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, why not? Uh, changing lives, this is just absolutely wonderful. I want to live in a world like this. And uh, in a time like uh, we're living in, I, there's an article I want to share with you now. I might be sharing something and preaching to the choir here with Starseed, but this is an article entitled, These Three Strategies Will Help You Train Your Mind to Be More Positive. Now, when something goes wrong at work, it's normal to take that negative experience and hold on to it for the rest of the day, or maybe even for a few days. Now, that tendency is a product, they tell us, of how our brains are wired, and it exposes us to extra, unneeded stress. I think just many people can relate to this. But it doesn't have to be that way. And although it can be difficult, it's possible to reframe our negative experiences, to let go of negativity, and to focus on the good. And there are three strategies that will help us train our minds to focus more on the positive. There's something called gain framing. Um, now, the way in which you recall your own experiences can alter the way that you see them. When you describe the glass as half full, that's what we call a gain frame because you're focusing on what's been gained. On the flip side, seeing the glass as half empty is a loss frame. By using gain framing to describe your experiences to others, you'll start to see the positives in any given situation. And acknowledges, uh, we need to learn to acknowledge one good thing. You know, venting, sometimes we assume, assume that venting is going to help us get rid of negative emotions. A lot of people do that. I just needed to vent. Uh, but when we do that, we dwell instead of, instead of one good thing that happened that day, we're dwelling on our gripes and the negative things. And so when we dwell instead on one good thing, instead of venting on our veg- negative emotions, it prompts our brain to switch directions, which is vastly more helpful. The, author- the um, psychologist suggests that we start to write things down. They tell us to journal Expand the effort to write down good things of the day. will engage your brain in positivity. It really does help to write it down. It's the way the brain works. And lastly, if we learn to respond to things counterintuitively, what does that mean? Well, the way we react at the moment can make a significant difference in how we think about a situation later. If you think about this a little bit, you'll 
you'll kind of see how that works. So instead of snapping at somebody who's just made us mad or somebody who's been rude, immediately just let it go. If your waitress at the cafe is just real grumpy, leave an extra nice tip. Do the thing which you normally wouldn't do. Someone is really rude to you, be exceptionally nice. And by responding counterintuitively, what we're doing is helping ourselves because we're stopping our brain from the cycle of dwelling on the negative. And so this is a way to turn things around in our own minds. So getting out of negativity is, can be difficult, but there are certainly things that we can do. And, and I know a lot of starseed are already doing this. But I thought I'd share this with you today because I think that oftentimes we don't really, you know, it's so easy to slip into that griping mode and, um, you know, just not being self-aware. So want to benefit ourselves, we can train ourselves um, to counteract that. And it really is important because as you know and as everybody here knows, that is a way to change things. And that's one thing that star seeds are very good at. From my heart to each one of you, much love, everybody. It's going to be a great show tonight. I'm looking forward to this. Animals. Yum. Okay, yes. And, yes. And you wrote that wonderful book for children. That's just a wonderful book, Ariel. It's just beautiful. Oh, thank beautiful. you. Thank you. Well, and just thank you so for the Starseed News. That was, <laughs> the, the Starseed News was very diverse tonight. It covered a lot of topics. So thank you for all that research. You're welcome. And we'll see you uh, in two weeks. You will. Okay. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. So um, I'm going to bring our guest online here. I get the microphone open. Well, hello, Dr. Farmer. It's Ariel. Oh, hi, Ariel. How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm really looking forward to hearing about your new book um, because, as Anastasia mentioned, I've been uh, working with you know animal um, spirit guides, animal messages for a very long time. So I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about this with you. So, oh, um, good. I might, I might, yeah. I might put you on the spot. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I'm sure that um, I mean you've got several several books um, about animals, animal spirits, um, you know, right. earth magic, and, and even, you know, children's uh, animal cards. Uh, that it's just, it is so important uh, to, to help people reconnect with Mother Nature. I mean, it's right there in front of us, but most, yep. you know, a lot of people are just oblivious to to well, the world yeah, around them they're so focused on uh, you know their their cell phones or what you know they they don't sometimes take a moment to really appreciate the beauty of nature so uh, is this something well stated, is this yeah. something that you ha- sorry say again no well stated ariel i think uh, totally yes i agree so i mean i have the feeling that this your connection to the you know the animal realm the spiritual realm this is a lifelong thing for you isn't it uh, well i would say um briefly as a psychotherapist had a very active practice you know that's pretty much what i focused on and then along came shamanism i did a two-day course read a book and i went oh, wait a minute i got to get in i got to find out about this and shot out of that two-day course and said 
this is it. This is my next step, you know, and it actually turned out about a year later, I retired the practice for a period of time and went completely to shamanic healing. And the interesting thing is that's, I think that the advent of um, what you could call contemporary shamanic practices, I think is is, the base for that is dealing with Pachamama, with Earth Mother, with the natural world, and also understanding that there's a life force, we could call it spirit, sounds pretty good to me, that animates all of this, you know, all the sentient beings that um, populate this amazing planet that we are privileged, and I do mean privileged, to live on and to experience life on this planet. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, we're, I sometimes say we're a forgetful species. I think we've forgotten that connection. And um, our indigenous people know it typically, Our long-ago ancestors knew it. It was just a given. It wasn't, we had to learn about it. It was a given that the world was alive. What I like, Ariel, is what's happening is that people are starting to reconnect. And there are some different ways to reconnect with the natural world. And one of the most easily accessible, does take a little bit of work, but it's easily accessible, is through the animals, and more specifically through the, um, the spirit or collective consciousness of a particular species of the animal that presents herself or himself to you in an unusual way or repeatedly. You know, that's, when, that's what we're looking for is, okay, we can receive guidance that way, which is so cool. It makes life a little easier. And especially during these very tumultuous times, um, we are seeing over the last, I'd say, several decades, this awakening process that's occurring, and more and more people are getting uh, interested in reconnecting to the natural world. And again, animals are the, the simplest way, I would say. Again, it takes work, but it's the simplest way to start that reconnection process. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they, and you're you're so you're so correct that people people get they're so distracted by business and and you know domestic um, <laughs> things and all of the all of the you know the stuff you know TV and that's all, that has just taken us right away from our natural habitat. So yeah. I yep. mean, you've got to have you've got to have nature around you and when you do you're more grounded you're more focused you're more balanced um and it's it's just it's right there it's right outside the door so yes easily accessible amen yeah yeah i i live in uh, southern california dana point specifically in uh, a neighborhood where we have a park in the center of the neighborhood which is a real blessing so but you know nature's right out the back door too we have some wonderful huh. trees and plants, et cetera, as well as, of course, some domesticated animals. Well, I'm not sure about the little puppy if he's quite domesticated yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, yeah. But I, I, uh, <laughs> he's, uh, he's young. You know, he's a year and a half old, but he's coming along. He's a, he's a really good guy. Um, yeah. What I was going to say is that in the walk out in the woods or the forest or even in the park, uh, I frequently have this experience that I would call it 
for lack of a better word, and I'm a wordsmith, but the lack of a better word would be awe, A-W-E. We use that word, I think I, I noticed the last time we used it, that word awesome is kind of taken very lightly. It's like um, somebody gives me the correct change back, and I go, thank you. And they go, oh, awesome. You know, I went, no, that's not awesome. Come on. Oh, yeah. Come here, yeah, that's a very, wood, special, you know? <laughs> a very special word that's been driven into the ground. Uh, well stated, again. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... But for myself, and, you know, so be it. You know, it happens. It's the way things are, you know, along with uh, cell phones and such that, like you pointed out, the TVs and cell phones and such really remove us from the actual experience of that relatedness. And I have this experience that I would call awe every so often. You know, I walk, walk my dog or dogs, as the case may be. I'm in the park, and it's after dusk, and I look up at the stars I watch the wind just wafting through the trees and they're waving at me. And beyond words, it's this, I would say, momentary experience like, wow. I get a little chill even in my body as I say that because there's a body memory of what that's like. You know, and I, 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 my fatal flaw is to try to narrate the experience. You know, I have to quiet that part up, you know. Let's see. Let me write about this. You know? <laughs> but yeah, instead yeah. of just being purely in the experience, what a, what a gift that is. And to build up a, a history, if you will, or several experiences like that, I think brings us to that um, heartfelt realization you know, that we truly are related to being in, in all beings on this planet. But we think we're the dominant species and I suppose there's this kind of arrogance, you know, with this gift of self-reflective consciousness that we hold, but it's both, um, how should we say, the good news and the bad news. You know, we think we're a pretty big deal, you know, generally. Right. And yes, we are, but so is everybody else. You know, that's the paradox that we deal deal with, and it's hard to get around sometimes. So I think um, some of that comes through religion. Um, because the, the yeah. you know religious texts have been mis mistranslated um, that you know man has dominion over the earth. Well, I don't mm. think so. <laughs> the earth has dominion over man because uh, she ultimately is always going to win. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and we're seeing some the, the, there's, of that yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. If you uh, so if you don't respect the earth. She's <laughs> the scales will tip in, you know, for balance. So, yeah. So how? Yeah, she's uh, been around. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, yeah, I just remembered. Uh, I saw a, a YouTube video uh, narrated by Julia Roberts, and it was a beautiful piece of prose. Um, and it essentially, you know, she was the voice of Mother Earth, and she said, "I don't need you." You need me, and it. I mean that that was the basic point, you know. And uh, it's like I've been around for millions of years, and you know, you're so. And truly, the Earth does not need us, you know. And we we should feel blessed to live here, as you said. Yeah, no, we are. It's a privilege. That's not a right. It's a privilege, and I think that's a, a different uh, perspective, a different point of view. You know, life is a gift, you know. We've heard these things before, but to really treat it as a gift, the experience of being alive with, with everything that goes with that, 
you know, the suffering, the joy, everything that goes with it. And, you know, I, I think that every morning ideally is what we probably should do is just get up and go, thank you. You know, and let that be the first words that roll out of your mouth. Now, sometimes I got to confess, it's not always the first word. <laughs> the first words that roll out of my mouth might be, uh, where's my coffee, you know, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but even that, I'm, even that I'm grateful for. So spirit animals, yeah, the, the title of the book is so intriguing. It's uh, subtitle, Animals, Personal Tales of Encounters with Spirit Animals. And what that, uh, what that uh, the unique characteristic of this book, and there was a, uh, I think you made some announcement about that uh, early on before the news, is mm-hmm. that uh, I'm the featured author, and that just simply means I've got the name, the reputation, I've got a backlog of publications related to spirit animals. So naturally, um, the, actually the publisher's name is Ariel too, of Sacred Stories, reached out to me and said, hey, you want to join the, join the gang here with this? Because I'm doing this series called Common Sentience, and I want you to do one on animals, you know, spirit animals. <laughs> of course, you know, I'll do it. And there are other books in the series, too, that are slowly being released, you know, over a period of time here, Ancestors, Angels, etc., cetera, uh, each with a different author or featured author, I should say. But the unique thing is just absolutely ingenious is that uh, we solicited uh, people for stories about their encounters with spirit animals. And the stories were... Um, edited and then put together and there are now I think about um, I think there's 27 if I counted right last time 27 stories in this book that are just amazing stories personal tales and I think that adds uh, uh, a lot of emphasis they can read my stuff great but when you start reading about other people's experiences you know of of, uh, these kind of encounters I think it offers an inspiration and um, a motivation really to pay more attention to animals in this particular way. In other words, it's, yeah, the, you know, you like animals or you don't, or you like certain animals, but not others, that kind of thing. I'm not talking just about domestic animals, Ariel. Um, talking about those ones that show up physically or symbolically to right. uh, present uh, some guidance for us. And that's when it gets really cool, really helpful too. Yeah, well, I think it's I think it's a, a really good um, and 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 wise approach because, as you said, I mean, you could personally sit down and and write about everything you know about you know spirit animals, and then you know someone could read the book and it's like, okay, well, he's unique, he's special, that couldn't happen for me. But when you've got a whole bunch of people, it's like, oh, I've got one, no, I've got one, oh, I've got one, and then you get that <clears throat> that feeling. Excuse me. That oh, this can this can happen for anybody. Are you there? Hello. Okay. Hello. I see. Okay. Are you back? Hello. Yeah, yeah. I, I lost you there for a sec. Yeah, I'm I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay. What was it? Yes, I can hear you, and you can hear me. Yes, okay, we're back on. I don't know what happened. Okay. But yeah, anyway. that was weird. I just, I, what, what happened? Did I break something? Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's great that you have a whole bunch of people. It's like me too, me too. Yep. I have, you know, I've, I, 
and then it becomes much more readily apparent to the reader that, that yep. this could happen for anybody. You don't have to be, yeah. uh, you know, a mystic. Uh, correct. You just yeah, yeah. It validates. Yeah, yeah. Right. Good point. Right. You know, and it, it validates those kind of experiences too, which is nice. Like, am I crazy here? I just got a message of some sort from this animal. What's going on here? Um, and you know, it's really not technically. It's not really a message from the physical animal. What it is is that um, the best way I would describe it is that physical animal that appears to you. And then again, the two criteria I use: it's unusual appearance. And it's uh, uh, repeated or some repetitive experience in a short space of time. And so um, it's happening then at that point is, yes, there's that physical animal or symbolic representation of that animal when it appears this way. Um, and it represents, the you could say, the collective consciousness of that entire species when you view it this way from this perspective. That hawk that's flying around in the air and just keeps following you wherever you walk. Something is going on with that. The crow that lands right in front of you, you know, just a few feet away and looks at you, that one-eyed look. The dolphin that as you're walking along the beach seems to be like tracking you. Uh, the dream that you had about a lion. Wow, that was a powerful dream. Well, there's something big going on there. It's spirit, great spirit. Some would, uh, which is fine, prefer the word God. It doesn't matter to me. I use the word great spirit. Um, is, is sort of funneling its, its, um, po- uh, its power through this particular physical being so that the spirit of that being that is connected to the collective consciousness is there to deliver some guidance for you, some life guidance. Again, indigenous people, for the most part, and our long-ago ancestors knew that. They would look for signs and omens and guidance in a few different ways, but specifically for our purpose here is with the animals. And you made reference to this. Uh, it, it really is relatively easy to learn how to do this and to pay attention in this way. So that's, that's the, what my desire for in my publications and uh, definitely including this book as well as the oracle cards etc is to allow yourself to receive that guidance we need that these days we really need help and this is one very accessible way to receive that kind of guidance for your life path right i mean even i mean and you don't have to live on a on a nature preserve you can live in the city and 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 as you said, it can be a, a symbolic appearance. It can be in a dream. Um, you know, you, you could just be thinking and have the have the animal cross your mind, kind of. You know, and if that happens, and I like the way you say that, it's either an unusual appearance or repeated. That's it's like, yeah. hello, are you listening? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm I always pay attention. Uh, to what the animals around me, who they are, and 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 when they are, because uh, I, I mean, you for know, me, they, they show up. You know, if you ask, it's like, you know, what should I do about this, you know, situation? If you ask, you know, there's going to be an animal that shows up. Now you might not notice. You might not notice, and it's like, oh, 
I called and you weren't home. <laughs> you know, uh, so right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you have to keep right. your it's eyes really, open it, and and be conscious. Yep. So just be um, aware. You know, just be aware. You're right, and it it really is not. Are there um, in this in this book or maybe one of your other books, um, like definitions? If you see this, the um, this is the likely message. Is that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, All right. Um, yeah. The um, go, coming from the the class or the two day experience of shamanism, I was like oh, I'm on fire. So I took a lot of different training. And even though I wrote some books um, as a psychotherapist, self-help type books, uh, I didn't write for a number of years. And I can see in retrospect, it's because I needed to be steeped more in shamanic realities. So it became my mission to take some of those aspects of shamanism and move them a little bit closer to the center, you know, to mainstream. I don't think they're quite ready to be mainstream yet. Not yet, but it's on its way. But so the first book out of the shoot was Sacred Ceremony and then Power Animals, Animal Spirit Guides, Pocket, you know, et cetera, et cetera. A few others and Oracle Cards, et cetera, leading up to this book. And it became really clear. I, I was joking with somebody earlier. I said, I, th- I thought I was self-employed, but I think I'm being employed by the animals <laughs> to convey all this information. <laughs> well, you're you like know. the ambassador. But yeah, ambassador is a good way to put it, um, to encourage people not just, yeah, to pay attention to the animals, you know, to treat them as brothers and sisters in a way. Like I said, related. They are related to us. After all, we are in a monkey body. You know, let's face it. Uh, yeah. Sometime, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago, uh, depending on what you read about it, you know, there was a, an ape that got up and walked on two feet. And bingo, here we are, and lost a lot of hair, et cetera, et cetera, and evolved into what uh, our human species now. But we, I think that's another reason we relate to the animals more readily is because, you know, let's face it, you know, we're instinctual beings. Uh, we, we get wounded like animals do. We get hurt. We experience joy. We experience love. You know, my puppy dog, I've got two dogs, one younger one who, his way of telling me he loves me is he'll lick my face, you know, right under <laughs> my chin. And I uh-huh. go, oh, I love you too. I love you too. And then I wipe the dog stuff off. <laughs> but I know what he's saying. He's saying, I love you, you know, and other ways that animals express, cats, dogs, etc. But we're talking about mainly wild animals, you know, or animals that live in the wild or associated with the wild. Why? Because it does help us touch into the natural world through these animals and also the spirits that reside in the natural world and are expressed through these different beings, these animals. And one of the keys, not only, um, like you mentioned, uh, picking up a, you know, one of my books or another books or Ted Andrews, who's pretty well known for this, and reading what the possible messages are, or going to the internet, there's a couple other ways too. I think if you're just starting to do this, that's a great way to do it. You know, get a book, mine or others, there's a few out there, uh, or, and or, you know, do a search on the internet. Um, again, you see a hawk, you go, hawk spirit, animal spirit, I'd hawk, you know, different word combinations mm-hmm. like that. 
And you'll get a clue as to what that message was from the unusual visitation. Another way that's kind of interesting is take the characteristics of the animal. You know, analyze those characteristics. You know, if you're more analytical, this is good too. So what are some of the characteristics of the physical animal, the hawk? And things that come to mind as far as their physical attributes are they they fly pretty high. You know, eagles fly higher, but hawks fly pretty high, so they're, they're elevated. That's one way to describe it. So it becomes a metaphor for the actual message. So what's another characteristic? Well, they've got a very broad uh, peripheral vision, so they're able to see uh, not only straight ahead, but they're able to see the broader picture of what's going on. Uh, remarkable survival at that adaptation because they want to, if they're looking down at the field before them and they see motion uh, out of their left field, okay, then they redirect their attention and they focus in on where that motion was. So this remarkable ability to both see the wider picture and also to get focused. Um, they do soar. There's another metaphor. So when you see a hawk and you think of these characteristics, turn that into a message. It may mean, okay, you've got to keep your eyes wide open, you know, not just in front of you, but <laughs> see the bigger picture of mm-hmm. what's going on. Second, when you need to focus, listen, Stephen, you need to focus. You know, and that's a classic for me is hawk. I call on hawk spirit to help me focus. <clears throat> so the other is it's time to soar. You know, meaning, okay, I put together the, the beginnings of a business or something like that. Now it's time to take off, you know, and really go with it. So those mm-hmm. are possible messages that come from in, interpreting as a metaphor the characteristics of the animal. You know, the classic might be lion. You know, what do we associate? What's the first thing that you think of with lion? Courage. Courage. Like Bert Lahr. Courage. Yeah, courage. Courage. Like a wizard of Oz. Yeah, exactly. Courage, courage, you know, the recorded <laughs> lion. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that could be the dream you have. You don't necessarily, I don't see lions here much of Dana Point, but, and I don't want to see them in zoos, you know. I, I don't personally yeah, care for zoos. Yeah. But um, that's just me. But um, the lion, you know, is associated with courage, is associated with what else? Roaring. So that may be encouragement for you to roar. But here we go, um, Ariel, is go direct. Try this. Ask when you sight an animal, unusual, repeatedly, ask. Take a, take a step back. Take a couple of breaths. And if you can close your eyes, close your eyes. And telepathically send the question to the spirit animal that is represented by either the symbol or the physical animal, the symbolic representation or the physical animal. And this is really key. And so, yeah, if you're new to it, start with looking it up in books and the Internet. Set. But if you got some experience with this, try this out. Just ask the, ask the spirit animal. Okay, hawk. Okay, lion. Okay, dolphin. Uh, what's the message? And here's the key. As soon as you ask the question, what's the message, you've got to pay attention to everything, what you see, what you hear, what you feel. That's simple, or a combination of those. And by the way, what you see inside your mind's eye, what you see outside in the external world, your attention is drawn to something. Uh, what you hear, auditory, what's in that inner voice, what's maybe a sound that comes outside, and then sensory or what you feel. 
sensations in your body that you get that may trigger a spark of recognition. Sometimes we call that um, when the sensations in the body operate or collaborate with the cognitive, with the, the thinking, we call that intuition. It may, combine, it may have these other elements, uh, auditory, visual, etc., as well, but it's that connection between the physical sensations. What do we call it? A gut feeling. <laughs> That's okay. intuition. So in some way, you're going to receive some impressions. And those impressions then may immediately make sense. They may say, all right, Stephen, you've got to uh, slow down. Oh, okay, that's pretty straight. Thank you. I like messages like that telling exactly what to do. <laughs> you know, I prefer those. On the, other, on the other hand, the message might be kind of cryptic. Like when you wake up from a big dream, you go, scratch your head and go, what was that all about? Suddenly I was shown this, this stair step, you know, and it went up against a tree, and then the tree kind of waved at, you know, something really what seemingly oddball at first, but with some contemplation, you begin to sort out what the message is. So those are, this is the kind of thing I want people to eventually practice. Or again, if you have some experience with this, go there, that, practice that. The, one of the foundational principles of shamanic reality is something called direct revelation. The information will be revealed to you directly. There's no need for an intermediary. You get it directly from the spirits of nature, or in this case, spirit animals. Makes sense, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good point because, I mean, your higher self, your inner being, your inner knowing, you have the answers. But we've been yeah. we've been I think trained or programmed that oh no you've got to go you know consult a, another person, and you know some people like that and some people um, you know can handle it themselves. But you know, I mean if you if you um if you try to find someone to help you, I think that with the goal that eventually you take the training wheels off and you do it yourself. Good way to put it. Yeah, um and that's that's the kind of practice that I want to encourage. And again, referencing the this current book uh, I just some of the stories are amazing, and they do serve to inspire, like you pointed out. You know, oh, this is uh, uh, this is not really weird stuff. You know, it's not exactly mainstream, but it's not really weird. This the world actually does communicate. You know, I just have to learn how to listen, and to listen exactly. maybe in a exactly. different way. Listen, yeah. So. Um, I thank all the people that submitted their stories because I think it, it's a, it's what a, you know, it's a great concept, first of all, but again, related to spirit animals, it tells people that by reading these, you know, you can read them for pure enjoyment. You can read them for inspiration. You can read them out of curiosity. My, my daughter uh, and her, her daughter, my granddaughter, uh, who's 10 years old, loves to read you know she just loves words and lo- i don't know where she gets that i'm thinking maybe she got my gene i don't know <laughs> anyway they they love to read they read a story every night from the book how's that and i wow. love it you know because they're true stories you know, some really kind of hit you with your um, right between the eyes some kind of um, make you feel all warm and cozy inside 
but they're all different tales about spirit animals and how they yield their influence to us. Again, just becoming better listeners. I remember, Ariel, a book years ago. I never read it. I wish I had, but we're talking, you know, about 25, 30 years ago. I don't know. Um, but I love the title, and that's always stayed with me, the title. It's by a fellow named Bruno Bettelheim. And it was called The Reenchantment of the World. Isn't that a great title? And oh, I think yeah. that's what's going on. The Reenchantment, that we can be enchanted, you know, as we become better and better listeners. And listening, not just with our ears, but with all our senses. Uh, and I find it interesting that the root word of uh, enchantment is a French word, chanson, which means to sing. In fact, the aboriginals, uh, at least some of the communities in the aboriginal community in Australia, believe that it's through the didgeridoo that the world was sung into existence. One belief system, anyway. The didgeridoo is that one that goes wow, 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 wow. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. that's what we're in the process in this awakening process is we're learning that um, the world is singing to us, you know, at all times. We just got to learn mm-hmm. how to listen and pay attention to the tune that it's playing. That's a good metaphor. Good metaphor. Yeah. Now, um, <clears throat> um, can you like pick one of the stories in the book and, and give us a kind of a thumbnail version of that. Yeah, sure. I, that's really sure one of my out. stories that I, okay. Yeah. I contributed um, a couple of stories and I've got a few more, but um, I wanted to contribute a couple of stories myself. And the, the one that comes to mind is about a time when I lived in Hawaii for a period of time. Oh yes, it was great. And um, I was, I was uh, wanting, I, I'm a wannabe rock and roll star, I confess, Ariel. So I have written some songs and I play guitar, I play flute, the didgeridoo, but mostly it's around the guitar that I've written some songs, love lyrics, Dylan, Neil Young, etc. Some of my heroes, John Lennon, of course, the Beatles, <clears throat> being a child of the 60s. But I finally decided one day, I said, okay, that's all great and dandy, but let's go record a couple of these. So I set it up uh, with a local recording studio. It was all ready to go. And then I got cold feet. <laughs> it was <laughs> the uh, afternoon of the day before I was to go in. And I went, oh, you know, my songs are okay. You know, I kind of put them down a little bit. Like, eh, they're okay, but I don't know if I want to record, blah, 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 blah. You know, just that self-talk, the self, the critic, you know, the inner critic. Yeah. And then this most amazing miracle happened. Uh, I had a sliding glass door that was open. Out of the blue, uh, something happened, unusual. A big, huge Hawaiian grasshopper hopped in and leaped right in front of my computer. (laughs) And I went, okay, Mr. Animal Spirit Guide guy, what's this about? And I thought, well, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to look it up in my book. (laughs) For me, uh, that was cheating. You know, that was cheating. And I didn't have grasshopper in the book, Ariel. And I went, oh, okay, let's try a different way. And this, I tried the way I just suggested just a few minutes ago. I said, okay, grasshopper, what's your message? And boom, what it hit me, leap to it. I heard that in the, the inner voice. And then I thought, well, let me do a little more. So I looked it up on the Internet, and I said, grasshopper, grasshopper, spirit animal, grasshopper, spirit And grasshopper are just physical animal. Um, 
you know, what's your message? So I came across one piece that wrote about the grasshopper, and it said, the male grasshopper sings <laughs> to attract his mate. <laughs> I went, wow, okay, I'm not trying to attract a mate, you know, but that's the word that jumped out of me, and it was the go-ahead. Leap for go, take a leap, take a chance, and right. go for it and sing. So that's one story that's in the book. Uh, there again, there are, there's there's quite a few stories in this book, and again, I think and some are just like jaw dropping, amazing. Some, like I said, they hit you in a soft sort of way. So, um, excuse me. So that's a couple of the stories in the book that I think are going to, um, again, be inspirational and help people help people understand that they're not weird, you know, if they do this sort of thing. You know, they have to have that, that spark of courage, too, to try this out. And I often say, don't believe me or disbelieve me. Try it out. Try it out. You know, see what happens. See what goes on. And I think you'll be pleasantly not only surprised but rewarded with the kind of information that you can get to help guide you through this um, lifetime and on your life path and your life purpose. Yeah, you know, I think, unfortunately, um, um, most of the general public, they don't, they don't consider anything spiritual until there's a, a crisis. And then they're praying. Huh. You know, it's like, huh, oh, yeah. you're too busy, yeah. too busy for spirituality, but now that you're really, you know, you know, your back's up against the wall. Uh, sometimes it does take yeah. a, a, a trauma like that to crack people open yep. and see that being disconnected from nature, that's the weird thing. People who, you know, yeah, who are connected and yeah. people that yeah. talk to trees and rocks and animals, that should be the norm. And the people that don't do that, they should be the weird ones. And <laughs> truthfully, <Yeah. laughs> you know. Why care what anybody thinks? Yeah, you know, well, you know, it's those damn, damn tree huggers, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, that yeah. If I raise my hand, uh, I'll hug a tree. I've, I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I'm a musician too. I don't know if we talked about that the last time you were on. No, no. We but yeah, I wrote a song um, about a tree, and uh, yeah? Um, yeah, I'm trying to get it to William Shatner. After his profound experience, oh, yeah. yeah um, but yeah, I mean, you can. I, I can email it to you, and and I was just send it, it to me. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I wrote it. What happened? What a happened long to time ago. Pardon me. What happened to Shat? What happened to Shatner? You said something. Oh, he went up in space. Something. He went up into. Oh, that's he, right. in, yeah. Okay. Duh. Yeah, he went yeah. up into space, and when he came off. That off of the spaceship, I mean the the rocket, he was visibly moved. I mean he was crying, I thanking bet. the the pilot or the the astronaut. You you've given me such a profound gift. And then when he had you know his composure and he was in the in the studio being interviewed, uh, I guess it was on uh, one of the late night shows, and and he said that when he they said what was your your impression of space, you know, 90 years old, he goes, he goes up in the rocket, in the, in the spaceship, and he cool. said, I got an overwhelming sense of death 
And I thought, hmm. Bill, what are you talking about? And he said, "There's, I mean, it's a vacuum. There's no air. There's no heat. And the only thing protecting you from certain death is the little shell of that spaceship. And he saw the huh. Earth from a distance, and he realized yeah. that if we don't take care of the Earth, um, we're all going to die. <laughs> I mean, it was a profound, yeah, yeah. you know, life-altering experience for him. So um, I've been, yep. I've been trying to think of a way that I can somehow send him this song because I know he'll really appreciate it. And I'm a huge Star Trek yeah, fan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So me too. Um, you'll 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 find a way. You'll find a way. Yeah. Well, I've, I've got a, I've got an idea, so I think I'll 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 pursue that. Um, but yeah, uh, um, going back, and we got off to, <laughs> got off the topic a little bit. Um, I wanted to, to share a quick story with you um, because it was one of uh, a very important gift from the animals because um, going back uh, 2008, uh, we had not created Starseed Hotline. We hadn't started the radio show. And, and Lavendar, her life's work, which was, you know, decoding star markings on an astrology chart with the galactic mm. degrees of 25, 26, and 27. So 26 mm. is like the the peak. And 25 is entrance, 26 mm. is peak, 27 is exit. So it's the 26-degree um, mm-hmm. training that she had uh, from the Pleiadians. Okay. And this was information that she kept very close to, you know, to the chest, so to speak, because she was told not to release it until after this particular time. Well, that time came, and and she was, you know, it's like she was hanging onto it so tight for so long, for like 25 years, she was having trouble. It's time to release it. So we were kind of in that in that dilemma: should we do it? Shouldn't we do it? Should we do it? Shouldn't we do it? Now, I, at that time, I was living in this same house where I am right now. And I will, you know, you take the same road to get home. You know, there's only really one road to get to this hmm. area. And I traveled that road, you know, for years. And one day I travel and I'm going home and I saw a possum on the side of the road. It was dead. Hmm. And I thought, oh, that's too bad. But, I mean, that's very rare. Very rarely see that around here. Within two weeks, yeah. I started counting because they, they came one red. I counted 26 dead possums. Now, oh, wow. in, in, in the, um, and, then, and then it stopped. Then I didn't see another one. And prior to that, I rarely saw one. And it's because I was, I was asking, is it time to launch this information? And, um, yeah. you know, and in the, the um, I used the, the uh, medicine cards uh, by Jamie Sams, which Lavendar had yep. given me way back in the you know early 90s. Yeah. And I knew yeah. that you know possum is about you know playing dead, stay low, stay cloaked, you know don't show your hand, you know pretend you're not home. But when the possum is yeah. dead, yeah. it's the opposite. It's time to come out. Mm. And that was mm. just blatant, just blatant. And, you know, Clear. and within, yeah. like, three months' time, uh, Starseed Hotline 
was on the internet with the information um you know that we were putting in our readings so that was how the you know it was because of my noticing and counting and paying attention right. to how many dead yeah. possums there were and when it hit 26 I was like okay loud and clear guys thank you um and and that's <laughs> yeah. that that was the impetus to go ahead and create the website Oh my so, goodness! Wow, yeah, good yeah. story. Yeah, good story. Yeah, so, yeah, and, yeah, I, and that I was just a, you know, and that has since affected. I mean, we've had like 1.5 million listeners uh, to this radio show, and I don't know how many thousands and thousands of star seeds, all because of those, those possums, giving me the confidence that it was okay to come out of the closet with this, you know, I mean, it's Lavendar's proprietary information. But um, yeah. I was the I was the the geek who got it online. So um, oh, cool. Yeah. What's interesting? Yeah, but, I got to say, what's interesting too, Ariel, just in uh, is the another interview I did today. Uh, possum came up again. So now I've got to look it up because that's twice. <laughs> so ah. I'm going to work with that after we're off the air. Well, I I. I have to close here pretty soon because I've got another appointment. Um, okay. And I wanted okay. to, uh, uh, yeah, I, you know, I think that it was um, set up in a way that it was a certain amount of time, et cetera. So I, I do have an appointment okay. after this. So um, okay. what I want well, to say it, though is do, do check the book out, but beyond that, even if you don't actually get the book, you know, it really is much more than about the book. And that's one thing I want to say. And I think the book can serve you well. Don't get me wrong. But it's about practicing some of these things we've talked about and the, the re-enchantment of the world, the magic, the miraculousness of the world, the awe that you can experience just by stopping out in the middle of the park or the forest. Take a few breaths. Know that your feet are on the ground. Your head is reaching to the sky. And look around at you and just keep breathing all of that in. <laughs> that's what I'd like to see y'all do who is li- whoever is listening to this program and uh, I I sometimes jokingly called myself a professional weird person but <laughs> you know this is this, this, you know. like you've, you've you know you've said it's not the norm but uh, good let's create a different norm yeah well that's what I'm yeah after. I mean let's I create a different norm I used to when I was in a rock band I used to have a button that said, why be normal? And I wore it upside down just to emphasize the point. And it's like normal scares, love it. It scares the dickens out of me. I do not want to be like what the world <laughs> thinks is normal because that is it's oh. limited and, and low consciousness and, you know, just like cows grazing in the field, oblivious to the wonders around yeah. them. You know, so yeah, I really and- am so grateful that you um, have, you know, taken part in this book and, the work that you have been doing for a long, long time um, to uplift people through your your written word and and your radio interviews. Yeah, thank you so much. You know, and thank you. You're a very gracious hostess, I must say. Thank you so much. I appreciate ah. it. And I just, every opportunity I have to get the word out, I, I welcome that and very, very happy to uh, be able to uh, 
communicated this way. So thank you. Thanks for having me yeah. on the program. Oh, Appreciate you're, it You're much. quite welcome. And, I mean, I applaud the work that you do, um, especially on behalf of children, because we got to get them before they yeah. get twisted. You know, you got yep. to get the good yeah, foundation yeah, there but that, that keeps them resilient as people are trying yep. to, you know, steal their their um, uh, uh, independent thinking and their consciousness, yep. you know, stand yeah. strong. Yeah. Yeah. I have a uh, children's spirit animal cards, which have been very, very popular too. And that's again, uh, sort of a, uh, not sort of, it's a way to introduce children to this whole idea because children love animals. And Absolutely. it's done very well. And I'm happy to, to have presented that to the world. So yeah. thank you again very yeah. much. And oh, thank you, you are for the so work welcome. You're doing and everyone on the show. And anytime, anytime, Ariel. Yeah, and you know, you are always welcome. Anything you've got that's, you know, a new thing that you're coming out with, um, you're always welcome to come and, and we will help tell people about it. Great. I got two things coming out. One is out now messages from the ancestors, oracle cards, and in a couple of months, messages from the spirits of nature. So um, uh, I'll be yeah. back. I'll come back. I'll come back on the program. Okay. Yeah, do that. It's out and available. All right. Thank do you that. very much. And thanks. Thank you, everyone okay. on the staff there. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, um, this wraps it up for us today. We will be back two weeks from tonight. And um, in the meantime, remember, replace judgment with compassion and hold gratitude in your heart. Good night, everyone. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 